This is the Made For More podcast. The health and wellness industry can be dogmatic and stagnant. We aim to explore what makes up the true essence of the human experience by discussing health, happiness, the human body, and what it truly means to be made for more. I'm your host, Jake Reynolds, along with co-host Lauren Sock and Mary Kathleen Toner. Today's episode of Made for More is sponsored by Functionize Health and Physical Therapy. Functionize Health and Physical Therapy provides modern wellness for the everyday athlete. Functionize is a private pay physical therapy and wellness center serving active adults and athletes across the greater Atlanta area. Built on the foundation of understanding human experience, offering practical solutions, and insisting on an individualized approach, Functionize empowers you to take control of your health and wellness today so you may thrive and enjoy your best years ahead. You can find Functionize Health online at www.functionizehealth.com or call at 404-907-4196. Now, made for more. Welcome everybody to the Made for More podcast. I am Jake Reynolds. And I'm Lauren Sock. We are beyond excited to have Dr. Danielle Drobin, or Dr. D as she is affectionately known, joining us today on the podcast. Dr. D owns Midtown Family Wellness. It is the largest pregnancy and postpartum chiropractic clinic in Atlanta. Welcome, Dr. D. What's up, everybody? We are super excited. So I was reading your bio a little bit, and you have a really powerful beginning to your health and wellness journey. I read that you actually served as your mom's doula at just 11. So tell us, what was that like? And was that kind of what sparked your interest in helping pregnant and postpartum women? Yeah. um, I mean, even to go back a little further, my dad's a chiropractor. So I was brought up in a very like holistic household. And for my last sibling, they decided that they wanted to have a home birth. So yeah, at 11 years old, I was my mom's doula and I helped support her uh, throughout her, you know, birthing Uh, process. And it was pretty amazing. I mean, I remember when my sister, Laura, came out, I remember saying, I have to be a part of the pregnancy uh, world. There's just like, no way I can't. And I didn't know what that was going to be like at 11. I always thought I'd be a chiropractor, but I didn't know really how it would turn out. Uh, So what was it about that moment that led you to pursue chiropractic? I mean, you said your dad was a chiropractor, but like, what about that moment was like, oh my gosh, this is what I need to do. Yeah, I mean, at that moment, I think it was more so just being involved with pregnancy because when I saw, not to get too graphic, but when my sister's like head popped out, basically, I was just in shock that that was even happening, right? At 11 years old. Yeah. And um, really to have so much, I think it just reinstilled, even though we grew up in a very like faithful household, faithful in the body and its innate capability to like, you know, heal and regulate. But The fact that my mom's body made this human being and then birthed it without any intervention, Mm -hmm. without any help, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I may have caught the baby and caught my sister with my hands, but her body knew what to do and how to do it. And so it just really instilled my faith, excuse me, in the pregnancy process, the birthing process, and how much uh, interference we have within that as I grew older and got more knowledgeable and educated on pregnancy pregnancy. you know, statistics in the United States, it really uh, just has instilled my faith even more 
in the body's ability to birth naturally. Yeah, you know, um, one of our therapists, Sarah, she just had her fourth child um, last week. So she has a, a one week right. at home. And we were just talking about like, no matter how many times you go through the labor and delivery, the miracle that happens, seeing that happen, it never gets old. And it's just so fascinating that, like you said, our body can do that on its own and you don't need anything else. And she said right. they, um, the baby came really quickly and she actually just had it in the room. They had didn't even get her you know, to the delivery room. It just popped out. Her yeah. husband was there with the nurse and there you go. And she was like, wow, yeah. it slipped out. So it is, it's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't know if I share this with you guys or not, but our second baby was born in the car. Oh, right. fast. And so, yeah, I mean, again, another birth, I mean, I've been to many births, however, my like close family births. Um, and so when my daughter was uh, coming, when my wife was birthing my daughter, Presley, I mean, that was like 45 minutes pushed for, I mean, she barely pushed her body, just like popped her out. And um, I mean, that was pretty nuts too, you know, even at 35 yeah. or whatever. Well, I would like to dive in a little bit into chiropractic care during um, and after pregnancy. So what are the benefits that someone would see if they receive that care during pregnancy and postpartum versus somebody who doesn't? Yeah. Um, well, I would probably say, I guess I see, I get to hear the best results um, when I have a mom coming in with anything after her second child. Because I think when you're pregnant with your first baby, you just don't know. You don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. You hear having back pain and reflux and pubic bone pain and sciatica and all these things are just, you know, super normal to have. But there's a difference between common and normal, right? They may be common. However, it's yeah. not normal to have those types of symptoms throughout your pregnancy. So what I hear mostly from my moms that are on their second pregnancy, they say, I didn't realize that I didn't have to have pain, right? Like I didn't realize that mm. I didn't have to have sciatica or I didn't realize that I could have an easier pregnancy and an easier delivery because what it shows, um, what studies show is that women under chiropractic care throughout their pregnancy have uh, decreased labor time and decrease on the pain scale. And I see that all day, every day from my patients um, that come in with giving us enough time to help change the structure of their like pelvis to get it more balanced. So when, you know, when you're pregnant and you're opening and expanding because of all the relaxing, if your body isn't balanced properly and your pelvis isn't balanced properly, it just many times cannot allow the baby to be in proper position or allow for everything to be nice and loose and open. And then that can create dystocia, which is a more difficult birth, which can lead to other types of um, interventions. So I'd probably say so, I see women have decreased decrease pain, decreased labor time for birth, but also a decrease in pain during their pregnancy. So in that kind of same vein, what's the difference between, um, so I know your specialty trained in treating pregnant and postpartum women. What's, what would right. be the difference between that, that mother or future mother seeing you versus somebody who is not trained in those same skills, but is also a chiropractor? Like, how does that treatment differ? And like, what kind of skills and specialization do you bring to the yeah. table in those types of treatments? Well, I think just like educationally, um, we are, so I'm certified in a technique called the Webster technique. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what that is, it's a specific analysis of the sacrum for a pregnant pelvis. Mm -hmm. period. It's quite simple. So that's a specific analysis that we're specialized in and trained in. On top of that, we work on different soft tissue structures surrounding the pelvis, uh, as well as let's say somebody, which I get a lot of mothers who have 
or pregnant people with breech presentation. So you need to know what not to adjust if the baby is in a breech yeah. presentation as well. From a, a nervous system standpoint, we work on different neurological levels. So um, it's not, so if you go to you know somebody down the block that's not Webster certified, number one, they might not feel comfortable. Number two, they might um, not be not be analyzing or adjusting appropriately for a pregnant or postpartum pelvis. And number three, you know, I've been doing this not to toot my own horn, but I've been doing this for 14 years. I have seen the yeah. gamut. We have seen, you know, uh, <laughs> tens, maybe hundred thousand pregnant women. And I have, I just, I think the experience of being in the pregnancy and yeah. postpartum world is worth its weight in gold. You know, so maybe maybe to piggyback on that, because I'm sure that it's different for each patient. But can you walk us through what treatment would look like for someone during the beginning of their pregnancy and then through that postpartum journey? Yeah. So, well, in our office in particular, we don't um, take x-rays or we send out when necessary. So we don't have an x-ray unit because we take care of so many pregnant women. You shouldn't be getting x-rayed while you're pregnant anyway. Um, unless it's, I guess, a dire circumstance, but everybody should know that. So uh, we do different scans to tell us what's going on, both structurally and functionally, like a muscular scan and nervous system scan, as well as a posture picture. So we could really see how balanced or imbalanced um, our patient is. And then we generally put them on the table face down. We have these really comfy uh, pillows that they can snuggle their belly in. So they're not mm -hmm. pushing their belly. People are always like, how am I going to get adjusted? Well, we have these like yeah. super snuggly yeah. bellies. Uh, uh, pillows for your belly and your boobs. Don't forget about the boobs because you got to get the boob in the pillow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you're, so we have these pillows, so you lay face down and we have different types of adjusting. So you can do some, anything from super, super, super low force, which would be an activator or a gentle palpation or a gentle impulse into the spine. And then more manual, as you would see, uh, maybe people think about chiropractic with rotation and moving bones into place. We also have drop tables that allow the pelvis to drop and use gravity. So it's in the middle of a super low force and a medium force. Um, and then moving into postpartum experience, I mean, depending on the type of birth, we definitely support the mom and don't want her to lay on her belly if she doesn't feel right. Um, if she had a surgical birth, we can support her as well with pillows or just sitting up and not having to lay down. And then um, we take that same belly pillow and turn it sideways into a boob pillow for our nursing mamas. So we like to make everybody as comfortable. And I know if I have a clients, you know, that, that experience that being able to lie on their stomach, you know, they're like 30 yeah. weeks pregnant 30, and they're like, Oh my yeah. gosh, this is the most amazing thing that I can still, uh, still do this because that's all right. you want to do immediately after you deliver. Um, yes. is, there is there a story or a client that like you that really sticks out in your mind that has had like a, a, a really great birth experience because of the care they received at your practice? Yeah. Well, how about my wife? Right. For her in there. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so she got adjusted prenatally, uh, you know, uh, prior to excuse me, preconception, prenatal and postpartum. We have four children. Wow. Her first birth was uh, about uh, eight hours unmedicated water birth. Second birth was Presley, our wild child, in the car, 45 minutes. I was the attending midwife. And then um, the, that was on Briarcliff. And then the twins were an hour and a half in the hospital, both head down. And really, so they were both head up actually at 30 weeks. They were both breech. And, you know, uh -huh. I'm freaking out because I'm like, 
how can my wife have a breech baby like that is not going down. So we sure. really worked on it. Yeah. And I have a recipe of success of what I like to tell everybody to do. And um, those both babies went head down and she birthed those both babies vaginally in an hour and a half. So, I mean, just her, you know, stories within itself. But then, um, I mean, just this week I had a mom deliver over at Piedmont. She said her birth was amazing. I mean, women just come in and tell me these things. Of course, that can change, right? Like depending, I think one big thing and one thing that I'm most passionate about is supporting women and choosing the right provider because you could have the best plan, but depending on your provider, if they're not in alignment with what you want, you may end up with a different circumstance. This is kind of a dumb question, but whatever. I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. Do you see any evidence to show that uh, if going through a plan of care with you for the pregnant mother, does that influence the health of the child at all um, after the child's born? How does that work? Yeah, so that's not a that's not a stupid question. I think um, a big a big platform that I'm starting to get on and not hold back in how I in what I, the type of information that I'm supporting my moms with mm-hmm. is um, you know what you see a lot of. Uh, studies on is, you know, postpartum based on whether you had a vaginal birth, a surgical birth. So you have to think if a mom ha- is very attached to her plan and her plan doesn't go as she wanted, um, that can right. then create, let's say, postpartum depression. Postpartum depression, you know, doesn't allow the mom to really fully attach with the baby on an emotional level. Um, also, sur- women that have C-sections or surgical births, it is shown that the baby has a more difficult time, can have a more difficult time latching onto the breast for breastfeeding, right? Mm -hmm. Which then can cause moms to feel like failures or they just feel like failures from the birth itself. So um, uh, when a a baby is born vaginally, they're able to come through the vaginal canal and get all of the vaginal bacteria that coats the gut, which Mm -hmm. allows the baby to have a, a better balanced gut, right? So now we're even talking about, like you said, the health of the baby, when a baby is born via surgical birth, they don't get to go through the vagina and get that, they call it the Thanksgiving feast, which I know sounds weird, but um, get all that vaginal bacteria, which coats the gut. So then we find that babies, I find babies have more reflux when they come into my office when they're born via surgical birth. Um, and some providers will do an oral inoculation of a vaginal swab mm. to get the vaginal bacteria into the baby's Oh, body. interesting. Crazy. Some, some that are yeah. open to it. So again, to find the right provider, right? It's uh, it's funny because I have a friend who's a, a pelvic PT and she always jokes. She's like, yeah, the mom created the birth plan, but she forgot. She never told the baby what the birth plan was. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, like it, it, can't, it exactly. can't just be one way. <laughs> no, no, no. And I think that's a big part of it is like being being educated and feeling comfortable and feeling that you have the right support, but also being detached yeah. from the outcome, yeah. I think is important. Uh, just kind of transitioning into your business a little bit. So you own one of the largest pregnancy chiropractic practices in Atlanta. You don't just do pregnancy, but you, you treat you know the, the gamut. Right. Uh, what has been some of the more rewarding aspects of opening, running and, and creating a sex, successful practice and who has kind of like helped you along the way? Are there any mentors or people that you'd like to shout out that kind of have helped you create such a robust practice? Um, wow. Uh, I mean, obviously my dad, yeah. right? Grow, allowing, I feel like a big, a big reason why I'm successful is because I'm a very congruent, authentic provider. Mm-hmm. 
And so the, what, what I tell my patients is how I live my life. Um, and I'm really authentic in creating like a village for my practice. And so a lot of people come in, it's like a community, you know, people just want to, sometimes they don't leave. They just like sit and chat and <laughs> they stay and breastfeed. And, you know, I mean, I love, that's one of the things that I love so much. Um, definitely my dad, uh, you guys know my friend Austin Cohen, we chit chat about the business side of things, you know, yep, when you're yeah. in chiropractic school, you don't get all the business. Um, necessary, which I feel like I've become such a better business owner. Um, but I don't think that I'd really be that successful if I wasn't a principled, um, authentic and congruent chiropractor. And I really feel that yeah. that foundation um, allows me to give the best service that I can. And also going through, excuse me, the um, International Chiropractic uh, Pediatric Association, which allows me to further my knowledge, because I also have the largest pediatric practice, um, in Atlanta, but furthering my knowledge for pediatrics and different challenges and yeah. diagnosis that come into my office. Uh, and my wife, you know, my wife, of course, my biggest, <laughs> yeah, you can't forget my biggest, my biggest thank you. Cause I can't do what I do without her taking care of our family. So that's the biggest one. That's the biggest support. You know, one thing that is pretty interesting to me is, um, hey, statistics will show that the number one reason people don't seek out healthcare is transparency within healthcare, transparency of cost, transparency behind what it is you're going to do for them. And I think one thing that I've, you know, I, I've known about you for a while, we've met a few times and every time I've talked to you, I've always come away thinking that's a really authentic and transparent and just clear person. And I think that's probably one of the things that makes you really successful is your ability to just be real with people. And I think people are attracted to that because there's there's an undertone to honesty behind that. And I think that that breeds a lot of trust uh, with your clientele. And so it's, it's interesting because so many people think like, I have to be the most skilled and the best at all of these different modalities. And obviously, you know, we hone our skills and we want to be really good, but just being a real person is one of the things that really can drive your business. And so I've I can kind of see that from like a distance from an outsider looking in that like, okay, it's obvious that Danielle's going to have a really successful practice because she is so honest and transparent. So I just want to give thank you a little you. kudos on that. I really thank you. That, that you. really means a lot to me. Just so you know. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to maybe dive into you as an entrepreneur and a mom, because as you mentioned, you have four beautiful children of your own. Um, two are twins. So I have twins as well. So twin power yeah. there. <laughs> yes. Um, but I have to ask, like, what is one piece of advice that you would give a parent who is also an entrepreneur? Oh, my goodness. Um, drink a lot of alcohol. No, <laughs> um, only on the weekend. Right. Um, what is, you know what? I have found that my efficiency level is really top notch. Um, mm -hmm. I think that uh, in order to, or at least for me, and I can only speak for myself, um, I have to be efficient with my time. That's, you know, if I, I cannot waste my time, waste anybody else's time, um, I have to be efficient with how I structure my day. So I'm really, um, even when I started my business, like when you're in the hustle and the grind, like it was always structured as Tuesdays were my phone calls, Thursdays were my meetings, Wednesdays were my coffees. Like it just had to be structured in such a way to really build and create. Um, so efficiency, efficiency, have a calendar, mark everything down. And the other thing would be get help. 
I can't even tell you how many times when I pay for a nanny to help me for an hour, let's say a nanny ranges from like 15 to $20, depending on how many kids or 25, depending on how many kids you have. Like if I can, what can I do in that hour that would make me more than $20? You know what I'm saying? Or if I could get yeah. all my kids into um, some sort of like school system and have that consistency in my life to give me a schedule, then I can, again, create that efficiency that I need to and to spend the money on that stuff. You know, when you're a mom, like the last thing I want to do is come home and fold laundry, right? Like who wants to do that or who, yeah. and I do, and I do on the weekends and I do what I need to do. But if I can have somebody watch my kids while they're napping and fold laundry at the same time, you know, I could get like a two for one. So um, definitely, yeah. definitely child care, you know, in whatever way you can afford, because I bet you'll make more money um, having that hour or two free to yourself. Yeah, I can't, I can't agree more um, on that. I've always had childcare since my kids were little. I've had somebody that's helped me um, with cleaning. I have yeah. a meal prep service, like, but it's right. allowed me to push the business forward to have that right. free time. And, you know, and I always said, if I'm not making enough to support that, then I will take that out of my life. But it just pushes me to make the money that makes sense to pay those people. Agreed. Agreed. And I think also that when you have that, like that ownership inside of you and you have that, you know, that excitement and you're doing things that are like bettering the world, you know, like mm -hmm. you guys mm -hmm. doing like, I, and we better people yeah. like you're that, how great that you get to make money doing that. You know what I mean? Like how yeah. great that you get to make money, making other people's lives better. Like there's no other way. So I right. agree. I agree. And Just help, 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 and more help. for your kids. Yes. You can right. be a better spouse. Right. And that's self-care, right? When you ask for help, that's part of your self-care. Yep. I have, sometimes my wife yeah. and I, you know, we, she struggles with the amount of help that I feel our family needs. And I, I'm just of the help, help and more help game. That is, I will take help all day. Right. <laughs> I don't care. Well, and you know, I even think like people who are afraid to send their kids to daycare because they're like, well, I'm less of a mom if I'm not there for my kids. But, you know, I'll say to them, like those people at daycare, like they're going to love your kid and they're going to be putting more attention into your child than you will when you're folding the laundry and you're cleaning and you have them watching TV in the living room so that you can do your stuff. So those caregivers are keeping them so engaged that it's really healthy. I got it. Can I tell you a story real quick? So sure. we, um, it was our second, uh, Presley and I was, uh, Lena goes to, um, turning sun, which is, you know, eat dirt and do yoga all day, which is the type of parents that we are. And, um, so I was picking her up and I think Presley was maybe two and she hadn't gone. She was only going two days a week. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays were my days off. And, um, but I, you know, would take care of, Pre of Presley anyway. And so we went there and we were leaving to drop Lena off and Presley was hysterical crying. And then we go to my front lawn and she's hysterical crying. And I'm like, but I got to do this, this, and that. And I got to try to answer emails and try to do this. And I'm trying to play with her. And I just like lost. And I said, Dawn, we have to put her in five days a week because she is not happy. She is not happy. And when she gets to mm -hmm. go and be engaged, mm -hmm. they don't want to watch you on your phone all day, you know, and you're not a bad parent. Then no. you're more engaged yeah. when you pick them up and you can like play with them and love them even better because you don't have all that other stuff right. on the back burner. So I'm in complete agreement with you, Lauren. I guess it's not always the, the quantity, but the quality that, that matters. Totally. Right? right on, yeah. What is, um? this is a question I always ask everybody. What's something that you are particularly excited about within the field of chiropractic, within your own practice? What What's something that gets you kind of amped up right now? 
Right now, I've actually had, I mean, currently right now, I have a lot of babies coming in that have different types of um, neurological challenges and diagnosis. And so I'd probably say that that is hyping me up right now because um, do I love taking care of people with sciatica? Sure. But why I became a chiropractor and why I wake up every morning is really for those babies. And um, I'm really starting to work with them neurologically, which is really cool, and see them start to enhance developmentally um, with any sort of like delays um, or um, just allowing them to be the best that they can be because some of their prognoses are not uh, clear. And so, um, you know, just allowing these babies to be the best and be as clear as they can be. I'd probably say always when babies are in breech position and they turn into proper position, that hypes me up because then that'll, mm-hmm. then, you know, mommies can avoid unnecessary surgery. So that's always, yeah. Well, I guess in wrapping up, so you are offering new clients who have listened to this podcast a $47 first time visit, which is normally what, $150? Yep. So yep. If, if, and- if you listen to this podcast and you want to go see Dr. D, uh, just mention, call her office and mention that you heard her on Made for More and you will get $103 discount um, on your in-depth exam and consultation. So take advantage of that. Um, what's the best way that people can reach your office, learn more about you, get information that will help them in their health and wellness journey? So um, you can check out our uh, website, www.midtownfamilywellness.com. We do have a contact us page. Uh, you could give us a call, 404-810-9099. We're on Instagram and Facebook as Midtown Family Wellness. Um, I also do have more of a uh, thought leadership and, uh, you know, just empowerment page, which is dr for doctor, then daniellejrobin.com. Um, so either way, just reach out. Even if you just have questions, I mean, we're just here to support you whether you come into the office or not, to be honest, we're just here to help women navigate, feel empowered, not get bullied by the system and uh, just be the best mommies they can be. We really appreciate you taking the time and sharing it all with us. And and I know our listeners will find this valuable as well. Thank you for having me. This was great. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome back to Made for More. We just finished speaking with Dr. Danielle Drobin of Midtown Family Wellness. And she is uh, one of my favorite people. She's just awesome person to talk to, a really funny, fun person, but takes her job and her clients very mm-hmm. seriously. And I really can appreciate her as a practitioner um, and not only as a practitioner, but as a business owner and running a really successful practice that I think does things the right way. And so one of the things we just talked about with her was, how do you do it? How do you balance it? How do you, you know, create what you want to create from a practice and, uh, and then still be able to balance all the family stuff, which, you know, made me start to think about, okay, how does that same mentality apply to health, health and wellness? And how do we uh, create healthy habits that stick or how do we create change and make something sustainable? And she says, you know, we ask for help, you know, we, we hire nannies or we you know put our kids in certain programs that, that allow them to get what they need so that they can do what they need to do. And I think oftentimes it's very easy to feel stuck in a rut health-wise 
Because oftentimes we try to do so much and we just burn the candle at both ends and try to squeeze our health and our wellness in at the end of the day when, you know, our life is already kind of burning out of control. So right. Lauren, you have, you've talked about this, you, you preach this a lot with your clients, <laughs> you lived this, you wrote a blog about this. What are the mechanisms that you use to be able to create a healthy lifestyle where you can be both healthy and successful in what you need to do daily? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's definitely about, you know, we talked about training smarter, not harder. And what I see so much of with in people is they work out to check a box. They check the box that they completed the workout without any meaningful purpose to what they're doing. And they get frustrated. They don't have a plan. So the very first thing I did was, and we talk about this again, the in-body scan. Mm -hmm. If you know what your actual body composition is, you have a baseline for how you should be working out and the amount of strain, meaning how, amount of work you put into a workout to achieve your goals. So what the in-body uh, looks at is your lean muscle mass, your skeletal muscle mass, and your, your body fat composition. So we know that for women, you want a body fat percentage of, um, you know, anywhere from, you know, eight, eight, 18 to 28%. You really don't want anything um, higher than that, but really, you know, that 20 ish percent is really good. Mm -hmm. Um, and then body fat percentage, it should be about 45% of your body. I'm sorry. Skeletal muscle mass should be about 45% yeah. of your body weight. So when we look at the in body, it gives us those metrics and having that is huge for anybody. Cause we don't really know what our composition is. And then the only, for me, what I found is I need the accountability. I need the help. Ask for the help of somebody to create those workouts for you, a coach or something like that. So you're not just saying, I'm going to sign up for a race and do a training plan. And at the end of the race, or when I cross the finish line, I'm done and I can take a break because wellness is not about breaks. It is a long term process that you've got to put into that. So realizing that you cannot control sometimes your own health and wellness, unless you're super disciplined and you have lots of time yep. to put into it, like having somebody and a partner is a big part of that. And then we, again, we preach this sleep. Like a lot of people really think that sleep, lack of sleep is a badge, badge of honor. Like if I, I'm super productive, therefore I don't have time to sleep. And we know that that is not the way to do things. So having a good seven to eight hours of sleep is important. And when I add that in, my workouts like are so much easier. Mm -hmm. I feel better mm -hmm. and I don't feel like maybe I need to take a nap later in the day yeah. because I've worked so hard. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then thinking about those recovery days. So every day does not have to be a workout. If you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to build muscle mass, then you have to add in recovery days. Mm -hmm. So where you don't do any workout, like you just let your body rest and you, you give it what it needs, maybe from a food perspective. So you eat the protein that you need for the recovery of the muscles that you've kind of you know, when we strength train, we're breaking down muscle and rebuilding it. And that you need protein as the building blocks for that. So making sure that you add the recovery in and then you eat properly after, before and after you, you work out. If you want to do some sort of simple carb just before you work out and then afterwards you want some protein in your diet. And the rule of thumb is at least 30 minutes after you work out, you add in some protein. And it could be that you eat, you know, some Greek yogurt, you take some, um, you know, 
milk. Um, it could be, you know, oat milk or almond milk or something like that after um, a little bit of cheese or nuts, mm -hmm. but some sort of protein will help you. So you don't crash um, after you, you do that workout. And, um, you know, so when, when I finally was able to like really focus on being consistent and maybe for some people that seems like a lot, like, yeah. oh my gosh, that is a lot of things to think about, but it's just part of the routine. Like, you know, your metrics, yep. you get a coach, yep. you work out and you want to make sure when you work out, you push yourself a little bit because you can't build muscle and decrease body fat if you don't push your body yep. to beyond some sort of limit, right? Like yep. it can't, it's not, it's not that you're going to hurt yourself. It's just you ask yourself, could I have done more? Could my body have done a little bit more? And then next time you might add two more reps of a, in your workout, or you add a little bit more weight. But if you're always doing sub threshold, then you're not really achieving any goal. Mm -hmm. So making sure you're purposeful in those workouts, and then you give yourself the food and the recovery and the sleep you need to continue doing that, you know, a few times a week. So when I added that routine in and stopped thinking at, about it as like, I need to always work out hard. I need to always, you know, be productive and not sleep. Eating is just, you know, I can eat junk food because I worked out really hard and I can eat whatever I want. This don't work. Right. Yeah. So it's really looking at those, you know, if some people call it, you know, key performance indicators, we call it in business, but like, what is the, what are those performance indicators for your own body mm -hmm. that make you feel better to be able to work out and create a lifestyle of wellness for yourself? Yeah. And th that is how to sustain, right? Mm -hmm. Like those are all things that help can help you sustain wellness. And if you can get into those habits of doing that uh, and kind of capitalizing on that, that's how you're going to sustain health and wellness and actually grow for a really long time. But the problem I see with, with most people is that like they have a hard time just getting into those habits in the first mm -hmm. place. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, humans, while we're very complicated, we're also very simple creatures. And if we look at the science behind habit changing and mm -hmm. like we are just absolute creatures of habit. So in order to actually create sustainable change, we need to actually start to influence our habits. And so the easiest ways that, that I know how to do this and that I've kind of read about in the literature is one, like you mentioned, you need to have a coach and a plan, right? If, if you can see what the big picture is, you can at least begin to mentally start to organize around how you're going to do that. The, the number one thing is making a priority, right? Mm -hmm. Like yes. we, we, we give time to those things that we prioritize. So if you, if you care about your health, if you truly care about your health, you will prioritize, it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we make time for, and a zillion different things in our life, health should always be one of them. Um, so we need to we need to have a vision. And we need to have priority. But those like those two things are uh, influenced on our action and our habits on how we work within those two things. And so the main thing that we need to do to create healthy habits is creating rituals that our subconscious begins to follow. Right. And what I mean by this is, is two things. Um, one, one of them would be, uh, or, or we'll just talk about primers. Primers is probably the easiest way to allow us to start to change a habit in a subconscious manner. A good idea or a good example of a primer would be is if your goal is to hydrate more, you need your subconscious brain to see opportunities for hydration throughout the day. A good example would be, in my workroom, I have a water bottle 
that's always full on my desk. I have water on all my various stations around the office or at home. Like I will keep a cup of water always full on the counter that if I, if I'm doing stuff and I just see that glass of water, my brain is going to automatically say, Hey, drink some water. And so then I start hydrating. And now because I start feeling better, because that becomes a natural thing for me because I'm constantly used to hydrating. Now I'm going to be more hydrated and that's going to be a habit that sticks. Another one would be defaults. So we talked about primers, right? Giving yourself these subconscious things that create reminders throughout your day to, to do that. Defaults would be the second. You, we are always going to default to the thing that's most immediately available unless we have a decision to make. For example, what I mean by that is if your plan is to work out tomorrow, you need to create an, a choice to not work out, right? Your choice should be that your understanding should be I'm going to work out. So to create the habit, you need to to actively have a choice where you would have to say, actually, I'm not going to work out. What I mean by that is if your goal is to work out tomorrow, pack your gym bag, hang it on your handle of your door before you walk out in the morning. That way, when you leave the house, you see the gym bag on the door handle and you have to make the conscious decision to grab the gym bag and bring it with you or to leave the gym bag behind. So now you've made a decision well before you actually got into the workout, you're going to be way more likely to work out if you just bring the gym bag with you. Right. Yeah. And so by creating defaults within our life forces us to make a choice behind our health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And so all of this is about cognition and, yeah. and putting fewer barriers to entry in our path to create sustainable change. And so when we want to create healthy habits, we have to do all the things that you said, we need to coach, we need to, be able to track data. We need all of those meaningful metrics, but we also have to have the small things to help us kind of get us kickstarted because so many of us are stuck in habits that are really hard to break. And mm -hmm. so unless you're automatically a super driven person and just can do those things without any help, which by the way, most humans can't, like you don't, if the, the Olympics are going on right now, like you don't see Olympians not have a coach, not have a, you know, a trainer, not have a, a PT or a chiropractor or a nutritionist. They all need help. And so you need help, but you also need to have a plan, right? Mm -hmm. And so I guess the, the bottom line to what we're talking about here is like giving yourself the space to, to ask for help um, and know that you can't do it all by yourself. That's okay, right? And by the way, you're probably going to be way more successful if you do actually seek out somebody who knows what they're doing. But then you also have to give yourself the, the ability to make things a priority. What would you right. add to that? Yeah. And, 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 you know, I always love that, that quote that says, if you, if you want to go slow, do it alone. And if you want to go fast do it together. Yeah. And we know that whether it's in business, whether it's mm -hmm. in, in our health journey, whether it's just in life, when you bring those people together as your team um, or your dream team, and yeah, yeah. then you will be able to achieve your goals. But trying to be in your own head, trying to navigate it on your own, it's it's you're very unlikely of being successful. Yep. The path of least resistance is way easier when you're going it alone. You know? Right. All right. So moral of the story is change your rituals, right? Try try to do if you if you got a goal to to eat better, right? You got you gotta be able to create rituals around that. Um, similarly to fitness or whatever it is you want to do. So change your habits, change your rituals, try to find subconscious ways to influence that. And then on top of that, all the other things that you mentioned, 
coaching, um, data tracking, sleep, recovery, exactly, yeah, eating well. Those yes. are the things that are going to help you get there. So, ask us for help. Find a practitioner that that you believe can get you there. Um, and thank you guys for listening. And we'll check you next time.